Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and product marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calagiris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. Today, we are joined by John Cottrell, product management and product marketing expert with stints at companies like Novus and Stonebranch, and the instructor of my very, very favorite training class that I've ever attended. Good morning, John. Well, good morning. Um, I'm glad it was the best training, but there's so many great other instructors. So, That's uh, true. Uh, I'm you know, that are awesome. Uh, you know, but it's uh, great to get on on chat again. And you know, thinking about uh, machine learning and, and what some of our customers are doing today around data science is a definitely a good topic. So I'm glad you uh, invited me on. Yeah, no, and I thought it would be great to give your perspective, get your perspective, both just as a practitioner and then what you see as you go around training companies all around the world about how data science has sort of changed in some ways, product management, product marketing, and what we can do to leverage it more. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I think, um, you know, the the threat of big data has been looming for the better part of a, a decade. And, just, I would say, in the last three years, there's been a lot of how do we harness that data beyond just general uh, who's our customer, how to target uh, to being more, how do they use our products, and how can we package them in a way that, that meets their expectations from what the stories we tell as product marketers and the things they actually use and deliver value as, as end users once implemented. But I think data has always been central. I think uh, companies, is, um, they went to SaaS or, or the cloud, for lack of a better phrase. You know, they, they saw they had uh, these common platform needs around user management, customer management, service enablement, and just kind of the, the platform usage of data, I would say, has been uh, scaling for the better part of uh, the last decade that how do we use that to figure out ROI of investment of our development dollars? How do we look, use insights around uh, which features they adopt and maybe better packaging or differentiation. Um, but I think it's uh, the reality is the pivot table is no longer enough, right? There was a point in time that magic could happen with the pivot table, but now it's uh, how to can I visualize the data and, group it in a model to make better decisions. So it's not, we're no longer collecting data and looking at data. We're figuring out how data drives better uh, retention, drives better uh, investments. I think that's the real difference. How true. I do remember though, like the first time that, that Excel had the create pivot table button and it was like, oh, uh, but uh, you know, no, you know, what, 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 here's the feature that amazed me sort by colors. I mean, mean, uh, wow, I no longer had to put like a fake column for sorting. It was great when people gave me files. Uh, I love that. Uh, Yeah, pivot tables, uh, they used to show some pretty grouping, but they might point you the right way. I don't know if they solve problems anymore as much as digging in and finding relationships. Absolutely. And I think one of the other big changes, you know, one of the things with a pivot table in Excel is you have to have very uniform data uh, in order to use those things. And as we have so many disparate data sources, I still need to do some data wrangling to kind of make them more uniform. But one of the powers that we have today is we just have so much data available. To your point, when we went to the cloud in particular, there's just data constantly being collected. And when we can combine those from different sources, there's all kinds of ways that we can make different decisions and make better decisions. 
Yeah, I mean, structured data versus unstructured, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, most businesses operationally have gotten their arms around the structured data. But how do you leverage kind of isolated context information from a download of an app or how they came to your website from a given channel? Kind of uh, what other websites do they, they visit as we, we track them with remarketing initiatives or whatever? And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's as much the pervasiveness of more inbound data channels as it is the richness of the data that, that really doesn't have that formalized structure. And that's critical to data science. You know, how do you create the right data sets to drive your model, to uh, drive simulations, to drive learning? Uh, and uh, that's a challenge for lots of folks. And we're seeing a little bit of uh, movement uh, from a position definition perspective, or at least anecdotally, I've seen it where, uh, you know, product data analysts are being added to product management teams. Uh, and it's somewhat akin to the, the folks that are in UX that are also being added to functional product management teams as well, because they have to engage the market. But it's that engagement, that unstructured data that hopefully will provide context for us to make better decisions. Um, delight our customers never mind decisions deliver value so we talked to you talked at a super high level about some of the ways that that data can be used right to make retention choices or targeting choices do you have any great examples that you've seen well i mean um you know i mean there's certainly um whole solution providers out there in the space that are how can we use our best practices in data science to improve the buying experience Apps Flyer is a, an organization I had the ability to chat with a couple of their folks, uh, Ron and, and Z. And, and what, what I've heard was that, you know, the, the richness in data just from an outbound marketing perspective, what channels are you using? What creative are you using? Uh, who are you targeting? What are those uh, conversion rates? How do you put, knit that together to truly understand that buying journey or experience? You know, very often we were like, we think these are the steps. We have anecdotes to say these are steps. And now you can carve out different nurturing paths uh, from initial ad placement and engagement all the way down to uh, converting, hopefully, to a sales qualified lead and a win. So that's, that's something we, we see happening. Um, and I think we're also moving away from simplistic ratio numbers to, you know, what's marketing contribution to a number like a customer acquisition cost or CAC. We can now start seeing those discrete relationships across different services and processes that maybe help us uh, reduce churn uh, as we analyze how often or frequently do they use our apps or our capabilities. And, and so folks are no longer just looking at daily average users, but they're putting that in the content of, context of what features do they use? What markets are they from? Geographies or industries? And hopefully, um, then how do you overlay metrics like customer lifetime value or attach rate? It's really kind of interesting how, uh, you know, metrics now are part of the buying journey and central to how we, we optimize our investment. So if I were to say in the outbound perspective, kind of the theme is how do you optimize the budget or the investment for the marketing team? And when I say marketing, I don't just mean emails and leads, I mean, strategic programs, content development, channel prioritization and alike. So we're starting to see those connective tissues, you know, being formalized from lots of folks, whether it's internal 
data science people or, or third party vendors helping close that gap from an outbound marketing perspective. Well, and I think to your, I mean, you're spot on, right? The, the, the insights we can get, the value we can see and the buyer's journey and every step and the metrics we can do to, and be able to watch and fine tune are powerful. And the level of sophistication in our segmentation uh, and our personalization is entirely different. Uh, the, the number of variables you consider in a segment that a machine can do, right? Versus what you're, you know, there's only so many factors that as a human, you can kind of go, okay, if I take in my pivot table, these three factors that will, and I can break them up into segments that way, but we can add so many layers to that with a data perspective to make more robust and sort of 3D segments that, that look at a lot of different pieces. Yeah, or, or it's micro segments with audiences, right? Where you're hyper-targeting, you know, unique personas in a segment of a certain scale. I mean, uh, I mean, you use the word pers- per, you know, uh, personalization, but I, you know, I think it's kind of, you know, it's hyper-segmentation or personification of, of your content. How do we attract that one buyer and create the right beliefs to move through that process and, and create awareness? Uh, so it's, uh, I don't envy you as a marketer these days, because uh, you know, you've got so many decisions to make, right? Yeah. Do we go after this geography? Do we go after this buyer? And as, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, our, our global exp- expansion has to be a challenge with the localization requirements and, and rendering. So, uh, you know, as companies go global and go to, you know, different micro segments, you know, the data the data engagement or the, the context of that data that you can get from machine learning is, is critical. And that's why uh, we see more product managers, you know, uh, getting skilled up on it or being having formal roles in data science and product teams around machine learning and AI. I've actually, you know, seen product manager of machine learning in the classroom before. Product manager of agricultural data uh, was one. And so, um, it's really interesting how uh, the roles are starting to evolve. And now I think, you know, much like uh, the role evolved with product management over the last 10 or 15 years to really level of maturation, those technical product management roles are equally becoming kind of, you know, data science roles to make better decisions of, of what you build and when. Powerful stuff. What else do you see in the field that has evolved in this area, or good examples of it? Um, you know, I mean, you know, good examples versus bad examples. I mean, uh, I, you know, everyone can celebrate the excellence of, of Amazon, right? I mean, those folks know so much about me as an individual, my family, and uh, the types of messages they put before me are uniquely qualified. And, uh, you know, I got to imagine certainly they have a lovely A-B testing I can't remotely understand. Uh, but uh, I think uh, that is all driven by what I've bought from them, where I have physically been when I bought things. Um, I recently was in India and I've gotten uh, presented some, uh, some unique uh, seasonings from India um, that uh, you typically wouldn't get presented. I, I imagine they're looking at my geolocation. So uh, it's kind of kind of interesting, uh, and then there's um, Netflix. I think is probably another B two C example, right? They have uh, however many users they have. That's how many products they have. I mean, I can look at what's rendering for you know my boy Hadrian on his 
what what you should watch now kind of homepage and mine, and they're radically different. Um, and so it's not just can we tell better stories? Can we create better interactions and, and better content for consumption, whether it's movies or features? And in fact, feature feature usage is probably one of the most common things to, to help better understand churn reduction and uh, future investments in packaging or, or even pricing initiatives. So what should today's product managers and product marketing managers think about differently or do differently to embrace these changes? You know, I think, I think they got to think of it as a product. Your data is your product. Your uh, interfaces are your product. So, you know, what problems are you solving uh, for your internal stakeholders, let's say, customer support, enablement, uh, if you're a B2B company that, that requires assistance and onboarding, uh, what kind of insights do you, could you use to, you know, create new capabilities or, or new packaging of existing capabilities. But you, know, you can't really do that till you really understand the core concepts of, you know, data science isn't just, you know, I love how you brought up, I brought up, you know, now we ripped on pivot tables, but isn't it right? It's not just looking at pivot tables, mm. right? You got to be able to you know, have some basic understanding of how do you construct a model? Uh, how do you, you know, collect the right data to support that model? And then what are those constraints within the business and compliance uh, that you need to put into those requirements to solve the problems for your, for your business, your, your stakeholders, and, and, and your customers? And so there's a new way of thinking about data uh, as a way to um, frame not just your execution, but maybe your strategy that maybe roadmaps will become more data driven than just gut driven. I saw, you know, I saw something recently online that like 40% of product managers uh, in some survey uh, still making decisions based on guts, mm. you know, instinct. And, you know, that, that's a tough thing when, when you should be a steward using a process that's both discovery and validation. And the wonderful thing about machine learning, it can be both. I found an interesting pattern. I better learn about it and go out to the market and do my Nahito calls, or um, I've got a insight from the market. Can I validate it in my, you know, my current user community and, and at what scale? Great point. You find hypothesis or you find anomalies that you need to go understand the context of, or you've got a hypothesis that you can prove out. And I think even knowing what types of questions you could ask of your data, like really thinking about if I could put all this data together, what could I learn? Um, it's like, what, what's your problem statement, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, let's frame this mission to solve this problem. How can we reduce uh, feature, how, how can we reduce churn from customers of a certain segment? Well, let's, you know, dig in and see what data they have, what, uh, capabilities they consume, what kind of pricing or licensing models might they be on versus other segments of our customer base? Uh, yeah, so it, it moves just beyond the feature consumption is how are we configuring those from billable, invoiceable items, right? Um, and, and much of that is not found today without a data scientist because you gotta have someone dig it in. And I do think working with a data scientist is very similar to how we talk about working with development. It's exactly what you said. What is my, what problem am I trying to solve? And let me tell them that. And then they can figure out 
what model to use or what approach to use um, as long as they understand what I'm trying to solve. And then we should be smart enough to understand the basic limitations and advantages of data, right? I think sometimes it feels like a magic thing, much like you would go to a, a development team and be like, make this amazing thing and like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean mag magic doesn't happen. You're right. We do need some guide rails. And that's why you yeah. know, we got to understand the value of machine learning and data science for business as a, as a general space. But then what's the uniqueness of the customers using software as a service and cloud uh, applications? And so I think, um, yeah, without a doubt, I see where you're coming from there. But if you don't have that, uh, that those guide rails and basic understanding or concepts and constructs, it, it's hard to, to set people on the right path forward. Yeah, it's hard to have a strong conversation with your partners there, too. Credible, right? Oh, yeah. I, want, I want stuff that doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been accused of that in the past. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, John, you would like magic. Well, I would, yeah, maybe. I, I call it in, I call it innovation. You call it magic. Uh, but let's raw team. Uh, go. Uh, but yeah, I wish I had all this data when I was uh, actively in, in uh, building products and, and on my first cloud platform. I wish we had the ability to, to play with it and, uh, and put it all together in, in such a meaningful quilt uh, that allows you to make better decisions. And just that, like, I feel like we went from, we didn't have enough data, so we had so much data, but we really weren't sure how to use it, to now we're starting to get the people with the skills and the tool sets that let us turn that data into to information that we can take good actions on. It's yeah, exciting. right. I mean, I, I mean, that's what the initial V1 big data craze was, right? How are you going to store it, keep it, secure it? Right? And then you kind of think about Tableau and, and how do you visualize it? Well, now part of Salesforce, I guess, or soon to be. Um, right now, how do you take that data that it's structured and, and give it some sort of visualization in context or at least some contours to it that you can make better decisions? And now we got uh, not just the infrastructure to store secure and, and visualize. Now, how do we manipulate it in a way to drive better experiences, profitability, and uh but maybe even manage risk, right? As you look at new opportunities and try to validate them as, as part of the business planning activities in a given company. Great. All right, we've talked about lots of different things today. Uh, if you could get people to do, listeners to do two things differently based on what we talked about today, what would that be? I think probably the first thing is, do you know where all your data is? Do some mm -hmm. sort of inventory, right? And do you know how that data um, is integrated and deployed uh, across your systems? Because if you understand the sources and you understand our, some, some of these islands of uh, databases, some of these islands of Excel, or some of these just uh, in legacy systems that, that are like kind of uh, hard to get at, then you got to put together the plan of here's the sources. Now, what do we want to do with these sources once they're together? So you inventory in you know, data sources, then you look at kind of what's the relationship across those and then put it in the context of a business problem, a market problem. And uh, let, let the designers and the, the data scientists know who we're targeting, what we're trying to learn, and, and uh, hopefully the outcome of that uh, once that job's done. Awesome. Anything else you want to share with us, John? No, no. I think it's been a, you know, I like talking about uh, stuff that's moving uh, that our customers are doing. And um, 
it's certainly uh, interesting to get on the phone every time and, and chat with you all. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, John, for joining me. It was a pleasure as always. That does it for today's episode. Thanks everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 